Hello and welcome to the B2B Sales Playbook Podcast, brought to you as always by Lead Forensics. I'm your host, Joe Ducaro. This episode is the audio taken from a webinar we ran recently called Death of the Traditional Salesperson. For this, I was joined by Benjamin Dennehy, who brands himself as the UK's most hated sales trainer. Benjamin is always worth listening to and offered up some frank opinions and energy to the conversation, which you're really going to enjoy. So without further ado, here is the death of the traditional salesperson with Benjamin Dennehy. How has a traditional salesperson's role evolved in recent years and what factors have contributed to the change? Uh, (laughs) The idea that salespeople have evolved is an interesting one, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, have they really evolved? I mean, from my experience, they're probably selling pretty much the same way they always have been. Um, I think the way in which they've evolved is they've bought into a lot more of the lies about what's going on around in the world out there about selling. Um, there's a real push. You've got to build relationships. You've got to use social media. You've got to use all of these things. You've got to. And I think what it's done is it's moving away from the core function of what selling is and the art of being a good salesman is the art of communication right you cannot develop good communication skills by sitting behind a keyboard yeah where you've got time to think where you've got time to pause and reflect you know when you're dealing with real people in the real world on the phone or face to face you don't have the opportunity to sit back and you know think about what you're going to respond or do so i think the traditional salesperson has got stupider because then they're too reliant on technology right what you need to be is able to talk to people in the real world in real time and that's a communication skill and that's something that a lot are lacking and i would say so i say that that is probably one of the core things i've seen change over the last um 20 years that i've been in sales and the focus on build a relationship build a relationship this is all an excuse to justify constantly using linkedin and email and all of the just pick up the phone and talk to a human. Oh no, you can't just phone someone up and talk to them. It's 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 rude. It's an interruption. Uh, no, that's called selling, right? So uh, <laughs> so yeah. So I, I'd say uh, it's it's they've changed for the worse, I suppose. If I'm being brutal, they're probably some good no. things. Focus on the worst. Well, I mean, no, it's 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 a refreshing take to 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 have, Ben, because you know, as you say, a, a lot of the conversation that we have is around that sort of thing. So hearing the inverse is actually, you know, it's it's quite interesting. So you're, you're quite resistant like, to this whole culture, then. I am. People try to overcomplicate something that's relatively straightforward. What is selling? It is a skill of communicating. It's getting another person to discover that they need what you have, and through that process, they start to trust you. Because if you're good at your job, you're able to ask them questions they don't know the answer to. And when they don't know the answer to questions about their problem or their situation, that makes you the smartest person. They start, well, you must know, because if you're able to ask me questions that I should know the answer to, but I don't, there is a deficit to my business or organization. So ergo, there's a chance you must have it. But if you can't do that, then what are you offering? Well, I'm here to make a relationship. I mean, if you like, I mean, I'm a likable guy, right? And that's why you should give me money. It's like, no, I will buy in spite of you. I could sit there and think you're a complete knob. But if you've made me realize that what you have is something that I'm lacking and by using it, I will increase my value or I'll have a better return or be more efficient or whatever it is, then I'm going to buy from you regardless of whether or not we've had. I mean, I ask this all the time. When was the last time you bought from someone because you had a relationship with them? 
I bought oh, a well, house years ago. I didn't have a relationship with the realtor. I bought, I've just bought a car. I did it all over the phone. I've never met the guy. I don't know him. In fact, I could have been talking to an AI bot. I didn't care. <laughs> Particularly these days, it's getting harder and harder to tell, isn't well, it? I suppose. You don't need so. a relationship. So, so yeah, so that's why I'm big on it. Relationships are an excuse for procrastinating and not doing your job. <laughs> okay, well, with that in mind then, uh, what, what new skills and strategies do salespeople need to develop? in order to remain relevant then. All this technology has taken them away from what fundamentally matters, your ability to communicate. That is a skill. I mean, lawyers aren't hiding behind Twitter and LinkedIn and courtrooms. They're still gonna stand up and do their job, right? Yeah, you can't hide behind social media because the skill is in your innate ability to ask questions, your ability to listen, your ability to think on your feet, your ability to challenge, your ability to plant your feet. All of these are skills which don't require technology. In fact, they require just a good old-fashioned school system when it used to be of any relevance, right? They, they were supposed to teach you these things. So I would say from a technological point of view, cold calling has never been easier. People say cold calling's hard. How can, in a world where everybody's walking around with a phone, <laughs> can cold so it's, it's, calling be harder? <laughs> So, so the 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 only way to develop this then is effectively what you said is it time in the ring it's just the experience oh, of just doing ring. it and doing it yeah. and doing it I mean, it's like you can't read yourself thin right <laughs> you can't but, read yourself thin you've got to go to the gym you've got to go out there you've got to do stuff that loses weight yeah so it's no point sitting back reading all these books about sales and watching webinars and eBay. no Pick up the phone, go knock on doors, talk to real people and develop your communication skills because that's all selling is. It's the art of communication, a lost art, which is being destroyed by technology saying, no, you just need a relationship and a couple of nice gifts and some, uh, you know, appropriate sent emails will do it for you. Because that's one of the other problems. When salespeople do have the chance to communicate, they tend to do all the talking about themselves, their product and what they do. They never use the opportunity to do their real job. Or if they do ask questions, it's the usual crappy questions that you would pull off some sort of software company's website. They do a white paper, 40 questions you should be asking. And they're all terrible questions. What, yeah? what are some good questions then? But what questions would you suggest? You know. Well, the purpose of getting in front of another human being is I need to get them to realize, and I can't make anyone realize everything. So this is the other thing I teach people. You can't, I can't convince anybody of anything. You can momentarily overpower someone's faculties and convince them. But this is when you have the concept of buyer's remorse. When they've had a chance to think it through, they suddenly realize, hang on, just in the heat of the moment, feeling pressure, I just capitulated. Actually, I'm not gonna do it. So you can't convince anyone of anything. So my job is to get prospects to discover that they have a problem, discover that they need to fix a problem and discover that the problem's costing them a lot of money. If we can't get them to discover those things, why would they give me any money? So in order to do that, I can't go in with a series of stupid top line, what keeps you awake at night? What challenges are you currently facing within your team? If you could decide, oh, it's just, no, we have to get under the skin of this person. This is a human being. They buy emotionally and they justify intellectually. So I have to really challenge them. And so my goal is to get them to convince me they have a problem they need to fix. That requires getting them to do the fighting for it, not me. So, so I guess what you're saying is while you're resistant to the idea, you know, building a relationship, as we discussed there, you still are playing on the empathy 
of the person that you're speaking to on the other end. Is that correct? I, I, I want to get to the real emotive reason as to why they're doing this. So if someone comes to, let's say you build websites, right? Someone's coming and you get in front of somebody and they say, and you ask them, so why do you need a new website? They, they'll always come back with an intellectual answer. They'll say something like, well, I just don't think our website's um, performing to the level that we want it or something like that. Now, that's an intellectual answer. Yeah. And then what a typical salesman, some will ask a few more questions, but a lot will say, OK, well, no, no, we've, we've helped a lot of companies that, you know, have problems. And one of the ways we can help them is by doing. No, I want to dig deeper. So it's like when you say it's not performing, help me out. Give me an example. What do you mean it's not performing? Well, you know, um, I don't think we're getting enough sales. Well, talk me through that. When you say enough sales, what, are, what, what does enough sales look like to you? How many were you expecting? What were you wanting? Well, we were thinking we we're going to make 300 a month. Have you ever sold 300 a month ever? No. So how the hell did you come up with a figure of 300? Uh, well, well, it just seemed like an amiable goal. I know, but if it's not rooted in reality, it's a stupid goal, right? Yeah, and I may know the statistics for their industry and say the industry average is 100 sales a month based on this, you know? So they don't mm. know this. And then I say, no, you're currently doing 85 with a website. If we up it, we could maybe get it to 100, maybe 110. Is it worth so it's, it's about asking the investigative questions and almost following your nose. They're being a detective almost. I'm trying to get to the truth. <laughs> and then when you start to when you start to pull away the answers, what they tell you starts to fall apart because then you realise actually it's got nothing to do with the sales. Because when you say to them, look, you don't need a new website because you're doing that. 85 is pretty good. The most we could get up to is maybe 100, 110. I get it, but I go, really? Do you want to go through all the headache of having to create a whole new website and all the crap that goes with it just to make an extra 20 sales a month, particularly at the volume you're selling? And then they go, well, it's not just that. Well, well, well what else is it? I don't like the website. Well, what do you mean you don't like it? <laughs> I just want it to look prettier. It's, But it's working. So would you rather a pretty website that does nothing no, 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 I, I want a pretty website that does something really well. well. Why? Why have you suddenly turned around and say we need a prettier website when this one's doing its job? And then you discover, well, one of our competitors, ah, now. Here we go. Got to the root of it. We're getting, now <laughs> I know what's going on. This has got nothing to do with sales. This is vanity. This is <laughs> ego. Look, I'm willing to satisfy your ego, but now I know why I'm doing it. So let's not bullshit each other. We're trying to build a website that's going to drive sales. We want, now I know what I'm supposed to do. I need to create something that you're going to get aroused over. Is that about right? Yeah. Well, that's easy. Now I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I can do what I'm meant to do. So this is what I mean. You can do this with anything. Salespeople don't do that. They just get what they want to hear. Top level intellectual. You need a new website. You need to win crowds, increase sales. Fine, we can do that. Yeah, but that's not why you're really here, and you've never figured out why you're really here. So we're probably going to end up fighting and arguing or not being happy with each other. That's the salesman. You can't do that on email. You can't do that on Twitter. You can't do that through email. And you can't do that from hiding behind these things and then getting in front of a human being and hoping you're able to do that in the moment. You can't. <laughs> I, I, I fear I, I probably could anticipate what your, your answer for our next question is going to be. Um, yes. What, what do you think is the future of sales and what role would the traditional salesperson play in the future? Well, I think AI will take over telephone prospecting. Oh, go on. I, yes, because uh, telephone prospecting is really an algorithm. 
Yeah, and I follow a set structure every time. And once an algorithm learns a structure and then is able to think on its feet, so it's, it learns the ability to react to certain phrases or questions, there's no reason why an AI bot couldn't do it, because this is simply a numbers game when it comes to prospecting, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have something that doesn't fear rejection, doesn't get disheartened, doesn't get angry, doesn't get annoyed, doesn't get all the things that human profit, then it can just do this 24-7, follow an algorithm, and it'll... So I've always felt that telephone prospecting will go via that way. It's probably a few years off, quite a, yeah, but once they finesse it, I think there's no reason for a human being to ever have to make a telephone prospecting call again. Now, you're not going to overtake face-to-face -face sales, particularly with more complex deals. It's always going to require will people. But then you're going to get, you know, like you've got top lawyers. You're going to have, there's going to be an elite of people who specialize in the ability to sell face-to-face -face once the automated stuff can't. So I think if you're a bright person, First of all, you want to figure out how to prospect well, because it's the best place to learn how to engage with people. But then you want to develop your in-person face-to-face skills. Because if you don't, if you're just always going to be someone that's going to be phone-based, I think you'll find yourself out of a job uh, in the future. Because there is no reason for a human to do telephone prospecting. Because it's actually quite straightforward and simple. Does that then, if, if we're going to, let's, let's assume that, that, that what you're saying is correct, Benjamin, let's say the AI is doing the telephone prospecting, but there's still going to be these sort of, you know, higher up elite salespeople. Yeah. Is that not going to create a vacuum that makes it very difficult to then forge a career into sales, do you think? Well, let's be blunt. Most people aren't in sales because they wanted it as their career, <laughs> right? You ask the average salesperson, how did you get into sales? The answer is always, I kind of fell into it. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you needed a job. Selling is where you go where you've tried everything else and you failed. But like I say, you meet any lawyer, you meet any surgeon, you meet any accountant. How did you become a lawyer? How did you become? They don't say, I kind of fell into it. I was gardening one day. I thought, sod it. Let's try neurosurgery. Doesn't happen. This is something they've wanted to do. And then they went and spent years training and investing in themselves. Remember, they paid for this out of their own pocket through student loans. Salespeople turn up. They get hired, they get three days product knowledge training, they're given a CRM system, a suit and a car, and they're told, you are one. <laughs> and then after a few years, they realize, I've got no transferable skill set. When was the last time you saw a job that said wanted X salesperson? Uh, I've got to be honest, yeah, not, not very frequently no, that happens. But, uh... No, exactly. So for, the, for career, most people are in sales and they hope to get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the ones that want a career are the ones that get really good. And they're the ones that invest in themselves and they spend time trying to figure out what worked and what didn't and then building on it. Yeah, that's what I did. And then now I wanted to teach people it because it works. And then everything I do, I teach and everything I teach, I do. So when I do it to the people, say, oh, I love the way you, well, I don't know what it is you've done, but I want to be able to do what you've just done with me. But all I've done is master the art of communicating. So... Um, so for a career, if you want a career in sales, you've got to figure out why am I there? And money is not enough. It's not I want to make a lot of money. Yeah, that's, that's, well, if you did, why are most salespeople so average? Yeah. Every salesperson you want to meet wants to make more money. So my question is, well, why aren't you? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really simple. Why aren't you if you want to make more money? <laughs> uh, uh, it's not, you're making just as much as you're entitled to because your skill sets only get you this far. So figure it out. So yeah, my advice would, if you want a career in sales, is you need to invest in figuring out how to communicate because that's all this is. This is a great communication skill. Fortunately, it's what I teach, so that's good. Yeah, well, it's the the bottom line, isn't it? Is communication, I suppose. Okay, so so then 
what are some of the biggest challenges faced by salespeople today? Other than, you know, as you've mentioned, <laughs> your disdain for LinkedIn and all those sorts of bits and pieces. What else is there that's challenging for them? The biggest challenges, that's a good one. Um, I think it, it can vary. I mean, if you work in the um, SaaS sector, for instance, there seems to be a sector culture where it's volume, demo and volume, and it's a spray and pray approach. And that can be quite soul destroying, particularly if you're coming in at the bottom level and you're literally just on the phone, nonstop prospecting to put someone in front of someone else who then does a demo of a product. And then you go through a proposal stage and, then, and it's so it's so and this poor little SDR is working his guts out and then and then you're reliant on all the other people up the chain. What if the guy doing the demo is an idiot or a loser, right? And so you could have got a sub them in front of somebody that could have been perfect, but it's get ruined by other people. So I think one of the challenges is when you're at the bottom is you have no control over what people above you are doing. And you could be doing a really good job, but you're being let down by others in the chain. Yeah, and mm. then what do they do? The people getting the meetings blame the people that book the meetings. The meetings aren't good enough, not enough meetings. The people booking the meetings are saying, what the hell are you talking about? We've got you in front of the companies we were told to get you in front of you of. You're the ones not selling. And there's this constant attention. And I'm of the opinion that you should prospect and sell. If you can't prospect, so many people want to get out of prospecting because they just want to do the selling. They want to do the glorying. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know what? Uh, if you're really good at prospecting, the odds are you'll be good at face-to-face -face, uh, uh, meetings and you'll still want to maintain a level of – because I want to be in control of the whole process as a salesperson. I don't want to jump in and out personally. So I think for a lot of people, that's a challenge because they, in corporate structures – they have these rigid little silos. You do this, 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 and it's just a production line and it's all volume. And mm. you do 100 of these pointless exercises, but we only need five to pay off. So 95% of the time is just non-productive, pointless behavior. And I find that frustrating. But and they go, well, that's the way it is. And because they're making money, remember all of these companies are owned by venture capitalists. Venture capitalists have no interest in long-term longevity. It's just high turnover, high sales, projected. We've got 32 demos currently going on every day. Each one of those, if they sell, is worth excess. So this company's now worth hundreds of millions of quid, when really in reality, it's few bob. <laughs> <laughs> So, so let's let's stick with the that sort of the blame culture aspect of it then how how can somebody how could a salesperson overcome that that challenge of you know you like as you say they've done the best job they possibly can they booked a really good minute but then it fails somewhere down the chain what can be done about that find a better job <laughs> there you go plain and simple well it is simple <laughs> you, you can't sit in a job and moan about it what you do is you say well i'm good at see if you're a good salesperson you're self-employed that's the whole point of being a good what A salesperson doesn't need an employer. If you can generate money, then you're a salesperson. So if you're able to sit at a desk and create meetings on behalf of other people who then go screw it up, then you can quit. You can go do the same thing for yourself. So, you can, so I, I've inspired many people to go out, leave their jobs, still do prospecting, but sell them prospecting services. And then, and then if I, if someone's paying me to prospect for them, I don't care if you win or lose. You're not paying me for that. You're paying me to get you in front of them. You could be the worst sellers in the world, but I'm going to charge a handsome fee to put you in front of them. So I say take control. Yeah. So yeah, if you're in a job that you don't like, quit. Don't moan about it. Yeah. And if you're like, come, I need the money, then shut up. <laughs> So let's let's look at it. Let's look through the telescope the other way then. 
let's assume you know a, a sales organization is you know experiencing difficulty with that sort of thing to implement those changes and helping their salespeople thrive in exactly the way you've described then what changes can they make to help well, they'd have to sack most of their sales managers probably to start with okay. um, uh, I still don't know what sales managers do. I've been in this for years because uh, they don't seem to do a lot of coaching and training. So there's not a lot of managing. One of the biggest challenges companies have is they never want to have someone solely dedicated to helping the salespeople get better. So they hybrid the role. Now, the problem is, is if you give the person whose responsibility is to encourage and help people grow, but you also tell them, oh, by the way, you still have a sales target. What's the one thing they're going to focus on? Hmm the one thing that the company really only cares about, and that's their sales target. So they're under pressure to hit a target. So because so they don't have time to give the best to the people. So what you need to do, and it's an expense, but you need to have someone, and their whole job is to make the best out of the people. So their whole day is literally listening to people make phone calls, tweaking it with them, making calls in front of them, demonstrating how they do it, and just giving them that without a sales target hanging around their neck. His sales target is the team's target. Yeah, my job is to get the team to this level. But if you give me my own sales target, then then I'm going to focus on the one thing that matters the most because that's the one thing you're going to pull me up on. You didn't hit your target, Benjamin. But I've been training the guys. Well, you need to manage your time a bit better, Benjamin. You know, and it's just, so it's stupid, stupid managerial decisions, yeah? Yeah, because they're always, yeah, trying to squeeze as much as they can out of out, out of the stone. And it's like, no, get someone whose job is to get the best out of the people. Don't set them a target. Let them manage, let them coach, let them train. Don't make them salespeople, yeah? And that's a different skill set in some ways. So you could lose good salespeople to management. And often that happens. You lose a good salesman and get a crap manager. <laughs> Yeah, because they're different skills. Yeah, so I'm always suspicious of anyone that wants to get out of sales and go into management. It's like, why? Unless you're driven by, because I want to spend my time teaching people how to be just as good as I was. That I get. But if it's, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I feel like a change, I want to do something different, or I want to get off the phones. It's like, you should be the last person leading people on the phones then. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it, yeah, it sounds like, although it would be, you know, an investment to hire somebody like that, I imagine it would pay off in the long run, absolutely. Yeah, mm. but companies are too short-sighted. No, no, we're paying this guy 60 grand a year and all he does is look after the other people. If he was doing his job well, that whole team would be performing so much better. That's why he's there or she's there, I should say. So what, what advice would you give for salespeople who are looking to stay ahead of the curve and, and succeed in today's changing market then, would you say? Well, you have to invest in yourself. Uh, I think sales is one of the only professions where people feel that everyone else, it's everyone else's responsibility to educate them. Yeah, and it, 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 it's not. Um, because like I say, no one trains to be a salesperson. Remember, you fall into it. You don't, go to, you don't spend five years at law school. You don't spend seven years at medical school. You don't spend three years at accountancy school. And then when you start in your said career, you're a junior, you're right at the bottom. You're just fed little things to deal with because you're not, you know, that study is great, but you now need the real world life experience. And there's no way you can just go straight in to do what you want. So you have to work your way out. So it's a progression. Sales, like I say, you, you get through the interview, you get a week's product knowledge training, you give it a CRM system and a car, and now you are a sales professional. And then they're left to their own devices. And most don't invest in themselves because they say, well, I don't really want to be here anyway. Why the hell would I spend all this time and money trying to get good at something that deep down I don't want to do? 
So this is why we have such a problem in culture and sales as being average and mediocre, because deep down, we don't want to be there, most of us. So why would I spend a lot of money and of my time and my money trying to get really good at something when deep down I'm playing the lottery, hoping, dear God, that this Saturday's a day I get to walk in, grab my boss by his cheesy yellow tie and tell him to stick his job up as, yeah. Now, I know I'm being brutally blunt, but people listening to this know it's true because you just have to meet salespeople and ask them, well, why are you here? I needed a job. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I mean... It, so that that sort of the culture it needs a shift. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it needs to be seen as a profession. It's loosely labeled a profession. And I spend a lot of time, well, not a lot of time, I'm on LinkedIn. I have a presence on LinkedIn where a lot of people meet me. And, you know, I see this is why I came up with the title of UK's most hated sales trainer, because I sat back looking at salespeople and Leaders, I hate the phrase sales leader. I've never called myself a sales leader. I hate all that because all of this falls into the usual pathology of salespeople who want to be liked and loved. And I looked at this and I saw everyone on LinkedIn, they're a guru, they're an expert, they're a leader, they're a number one, they're a top performer. I said, no one wants to be hated. And I, I don't want people to like me. I want people to buy from me. And you don't have to like someone to buy from them. You just have to trust that they can help you. And I point this out. Do you have to like your lawyer to trust they'll do a good job? No. Do you have to like your surgeon? To do, no. So you don't need to like people or be liked. Now, there's a difference, though, and I caveat this because people always get this confused. There's a difference between being liked and going out of your way to be liked. And salespeople go out of their way to be liked. Yeah, I have a lot of people like me, but it's not because I've got a way to get them to like me. It's just as they go through the process of these being time. So actually, this guy isn't quite as horrible as I thought he was. He's actually quite a nice guy. Yeah, so people learn to like me, but they've already bought from me. Yeah, so you don't need to be liked to sell. It's certainly how I'm not saying you've got to go and behave like a complete knob, you know, and turn people. No, again, that's stupid. But neutral. My job is to get them to realize that they need help and they don't have to like me to realize that. Yeah. So then, Benjamin, just to, to start to wrap up our conversation yeah. here, which has been one of the more entertaining webinars I think we've done and, and certainly <laughs> informative. I've, I've certainly enjoyed myself. If I could ask you for one key takeaway from people listening to our conversation today, what is the most important thing you would like them to take away from us having a chat today? If you're struggling with sales, you need to look in the mirror and then you're looking at the problem. Yeah, it's not Brexit. It's not COVID, it's not the strikes, it's not the competitors, it's not the pricing, it's you. Yeah, you don't have the skills to get people to see that they need what you have. And it doesn't matter, I made a lot of money in COVID. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I was like so many other people, my diary dried up overnight, literally, because I'm an in-house, in-person trainer. My entire income, gone. And I could have sat there and said, whoa, it's me. What did I do is I sat there, I thought, okay, what do I do now? How do I, how, how do I take this situation and make it work for me? And I'd never done any training online. I didn't even think anyone would pay me online, right? And so I thought, well, I got nothing to lose. And then I thought, well, what if I advertise a, 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 a training boot camp online and no one buys and I'm supposed to be a sales expert? I've never called myself a sales expert, but people accuse me of being a sales expert, right? Like, well, look, the sales expert didn't make it work, what a loser. So my fear was, what happens if this doesn't work? And then, of course, 
my reality kicks in and says, I don't give a rat's ass what people on LinkedIn think of me. Why would I care, right? So I went ahead with it. Turned out to be a success. I did over 80 boot camps. Over 1,000 people during the lockdown went through my boot camps. And that was on a roll of the dice. So I didn't, yeah, I looked in the mirror and thought, well, what do I have to do to change? I have to change. I can't sit here and blame the government or COVID or my clients for dumping me because I couldn't come in and not paying the invoices. Yeah, so what do I have to do? I had to change. I had to look in the mirror and say, well, what do you have to do to make this work? So you are the master of your own destiny. I know we live in a culture where actually you're not and you're just the victim. No, you're not a victim. In fact, there's never been a better time to be alive, particularly if you live in the West. You have to go out of your way to find reasons to be angry and upset, right? So for goodness sake, look in the mirror and, yeah, improve yourself. That would be my advice. Benjamin Dennehy, thank you so much for joining us for this B2B Sales Playbook webinar. Join us again next week for another Lead Forensics webinar. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Well, there you go. That was Death of the Traditional Salesperson with Benjamin Dennehy. Here are our key takeaways. Salespeople are more reliant on technology and social media these days, but good communication skills cannot be developed behind a keyboard. Salespeople need to be able to communicate well in real time, ask questions, listen, and build trust to remain relevant. Benjamin emphasizes the importance of investigative questioning, not making assumptions, and having realistic goals for salespeople. Benjamin suspects that AI may take over telephone prospecting, but human salespeople are still necessary for building relationships and understanding clients' emotions and motivations. Sales organizations can help salespeople thrive by having a dedicated person whose sole job is to help them get better at it without a sales target hanging around their neck. Thanks again to Benjamin for joining me and thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the B2B Sales Playbook podcast wherever you get your pods and give us a five-star rating where possible. We'll be back again next week for another excellent B2B Sales Playbook podcast. <laughs>